Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. Not much. How are you doing? I am doing awesome, man. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Excellent. You're you're packed full of energy. You got looks like you're wearing your workout outfit. Uh, no, I just I just spent the day at the beach, so I'm a little little burnt. You can't really see in the video, but I'm a little burned. So I'm just uh, taking some of the pressure off the, the shoulders to uh, leave <laughs> by, by wearing as few clothing as possible. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So Pat was uh, actually late to recording because he was recording his OnlyFans uh, before <laughs> this. So that's why. Luck- luckily, leaving a legacy is a, a audio podcast, not a video podcast. I mean, yeah, you gotta you gotta make the money somehow, Jerry. You know, gotta that's pay true. gotta pay those bills. Gotta make ends meet. I respect <laughs> it. I respect the hustle. I respect it. <laughs> um. So, uh, so how you been, man? What have you been up to? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Magic Online. I tried getting to F and M on Friday, mm-hmm. but the schedule just didn't work out. But uh, I have been playing a lot of uh, paper magic over webcam still. It nice. seems like that's still going strong. You know, even with stores opening up, I think people just realized, oh, I can play with my friends who maybe moved across the country or mm-hmm. just my buddy Dan, who, you know, had a baby <laughs> and it's a lot. Harder. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot harder for him to get out. So we're like, oh, we'll just jam some, you know, magic on or, you know, paper magic online. Yeah. <laughs> uh, games. Yeah. So. Still play Magic Online just to kind of try out a bunch of decks with the, uh, you know, the rental service I use, mm-hmm. which is great. But then just, you know, staying in touch with people through the webcam. And then I am going to go to actual paper FNM at Gaming, et cetera, this Friday as well. Oh, sick. Well, I am definitely going to um, Wednesday Night Legacy at ELD this week. Maybe I'll try to shoot up to Etsy on Friday, too. Oh, two two Legacy tournaments in one listen, week, Pat? You're going to double, man, double I, your I got, lot, I got a lot. I got a lot of catching up to do. So, um, it's yeah, it's true. funny. I actually started playing again uh, this week. Uh, I busted out Liam's old Goblins deck, and I was playing with against Blue Red Delver. We are just, you know, refreshing his memory on how to play Magic. And uh, I, I realized when I opened my hand, I still had Dreadhorde Arcanists in there. So I was like, oh, oh buddy, womp, I just want to let you know this card's illegal. He's like, it's illegal and you're still playing with it? I'm like, yeah, it's illegal that long. But yeah, so scumbag Pat. Yeah, che- he's like, cheating, still, the, cheating the seven-year-old. Hey, he, like all I can say is I could have put probes in there. He would have never known. So, you know, I could have been playing Death Ray Chomp. He would never Oh, man. Know. Pro pro plus Dreadhorde, but, Blue Red Delver. Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i'm, I'm pretty stoked uh i'm gonna update the list uh actually i'm looking for like a good paper list because the magic online list i find a little, little different so i'm gonna look for like kind of like a stock 60 and then i'll kind of just figure out my sideboard from there but I'm, I'm pretty stoked to uh get it all sleeved up man and get out there wednesday and play so i'm i'm i'm, I'm amped 
Well, speaking of uh, paper tournaments coming back, we put out the call on the last last week's episode for people to post up their uh, local game stores that were rolling out the paper legacy again. And yes. People delivered. So I just want to give these stores a quick shout out. Uh, UCN Gaming in Plainfield, Indiana. Uh, they are starting back up a monthly legacy. Looks like on you know the 22nd of every month or whatever falls on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. But uh, their next one is August 22nd at 1 p.m. in Sunday in Plainfield, Indiana, UCN Gaming. Then we got uh, Owl Central Games uh, out in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They're doing a 1K on August 15th, mm-hmm. so that's awesome. Nice. Uh, and then also uh, Great Stories in Uxbridge. I believe it's Uxbridge, Mass. They didn't actually Correct. put the state. Yeah, Uxbridge, yep. Mass. Um, they are also doing uh, F&M uh, Legacy. So shout out to those stores for bringing it back. Also, of course, some of our favorite stores. We got Gaming, etc. running uh, F&M Legacy and mm-hmm. uh, uh, ELD Games. Uh, or, uh, blah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Time Vault Games, ELD, Time, Time Vault, Vault Games, yep. ELDs, Time Vault Games. Yeah, in Bellingham, yep. In Bellingham, Mass. Yeah, they, they just did their trios last weekend, and apparently it was very, very, it was, it was excellent. Uh, people were super stoked about it. It was very, uh, very positive experience for everyone. So I'm really happy to see that. Eric always runs great events there. Um, you know, they. W- I think really New England sets the gold standards for legacy events, uh, personally, uh, <laughs> making it a competition. No, but- not a competition. I'm just saying, I think I, I'm just, I'm just saying I'm hyping up the RTOs up here. I think they do a really good job. They, so they do a great job. And if, if people posted other stores that I missed, I do apologize. I try to get them all, but, um, if your local game store is bringing back uh, legacy, definitely send them let, in, send them in. We want to know about them. Yeah. We want to know about post them. it on the Facebook site. If I missed it, please send me a DM and we'll be sure to shout them out next week. Yes. Uh, but yeah, spread the word, guys. Let's get back out there and start playing now that it's uh, you know safe to do so again with, yep. with vaccines and whatnot. So absolutely, let us know of where the paper magic is. Can't wait! Hell yeah! In the words of Bart Scott, can't wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess that's a sports ball reference. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know that that reference is literally only for Ian McCune. That's it. That's it. That's he, the only he person appreciate, that he he'll appreciate. That Good. I, I send that gift to him all the time. Yeah. We've, we're that far jumping the shark that we're putting inside jokes for individual listeners. Individual <laughs> listener who I can almost guarantee he does not listen to this podcast, but that's for Ian. You. That's for Ian, buddy. I mean, there's You're only welcome. like there's like four people who listen at this. point. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. We have one on here, I think. So I'll maybe yeah. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Speaking of, we do have an awesome guest returning to the cast this yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, amazing legacy content cre- uh, creator and producer, as well as a level two judge, Mr. Brian Koval. Welcome back. How you Thanks. doing? Happy to be here. Thanks for coming. Always glad to have you on the cast. Uh, so, yeah, we wanted to have you come on because, you know, as always, you're, you're pumping out the legacy content, which is always great. But also, I wanted to have you on specifically as a judge because, uh, you just did a presentation about, you know, judging in legacy uh, that I thought was pretty cool. So just kind of wanted to talk to you about that a little bit. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I was invited by another Pittsburgh local level three judge, Eliana Rabinowitz, who was putting together a welcome back Magic the Gathering 
judge conference because right. everyone's a little rusty. No yep. one's judged an event in a year and a half. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Magic Online doesn't have those. And <laughs> it, that, well, at, to be fair, uh, Eternal Weekend, which is going to be held on Magic Online, is going to have judges. Uh, yeah, that's which, really? Wait, what? Which I feel, which I feel is kind of like lifeguards at the Olympic swimming events. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> but you got to have them. You got to have them. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it turns out last year we needed a judge in the finals of Eternal Weekend as well. That really? when uh, a player really? got disqualified, the winner got disqualified. Everyone got bumped up at the end. Wait, how do you get disqualified from an online what? event? Uh, you DM your, oh. uh, your, your winning in opponent. And say, you can't make top eight. I can. Would you like half the money? And oh. it turns out it turns out your opponent is streaming the event. So it's all on video. And uh, it was noticed like later that day. And I actually got third in that tournament, losing to David Lance in top four. And David Lance lost to the person who did the bribing. And then we got an email like a day and a half later. That's like, hey, David, you win. Brian, you're in second. So. Right. Uh, I, I actually remember that. I remember that. Uh, we talked about that in the podcast. I mean, obviously it was like a year and a half ago, but yeah, long ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, wow. That's crazy. So awkward stuff. Turns yeah, out, that turns out sometimes even like Michael Phelps gets Charlie horse and that, that Olympic, <laughs> uh, Olympic lifeguard uh, has a job to do. So <laughs> it's well, that, true. That's awesome. Uh, well, not awesome that the person got disqualified. Yeah, that's a weird. <laughs> it's uh, it's awesome that judges are are a key part of our community, and it's great to have one on to kind of talk about it from the judge perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So I I released a video of that conference. Uh, Eliana asked me to do the legacy section. There was a format expert for each thing. They wanted an update, like what's going on in these formats, what might judges need to know when they weighed in, and standard the standard judge got to talk about like the companion rule is a little different than printed and like some sort of normal stuff i got to talk about the all of legacy (laughs) (laughs) when she asked me to do this i was like yeah sure i could talk about legacy that's no problem but i didn't account for the fact that i would need to present about legacy and it would be on zoom i would need to make like a powerpoint and like semi-scripted and i wanted to produce a product that somebody could just click through later and read the slides if they didn't want to hear my voice or whatever. So I ended up putting like 20 hours into this project and then uh, another two or three hours into editing it after I recorded it live to make the thing that I released on YouTube cleaner than the, the stop and go of conference presentation. So this turned out to be a huge project and I'm pretty proud of it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was linked in the Facebook group when you came out with it, but we'll uh, relink it again with this episode. But for our listeners who haven't had a chance to watch it yet, can you give us kind of the, the 50,000 foot view? What were some kind of the interesting points uh, you brought up? The I kicked it off with just some practical considerations. This is on the Bosch and Roll YouTube channel, by the way. I haven't even said that yet. Oh, Bosch we'll and Roll, B-O-S-H, letter sure, N, yeah. R-O-L-L, Bosch and Roll. So <laughs> check it out. Um, so this, I started out with just some practical considerations of uh, number one, decks cost five to $20,000, which is not true in standard where decks are like one to $300 a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And cards are always valuable, but there's a difference between like uh, a car and a couple trips to Chipotle. So uh, <laughs> just like you got to like, like three trips of Chipotle, depending on who you are. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Chasing that Chipotle sponsorship, but yeah. So 
uh, I talked about just the price of cards up front. And then the next thing I talked about was uh, safety and security as a result of that. Um, deck techs, or not techs, deck checks are something that judges do. They show up to the, your table, they take your deck, make sure it matches your list, then they bring it back and uh, they, they I, say you're good or they give you a game loss for uh, having the wrong cards in your deck. I do actually have something to, to say about that because I have a personal experience with that. Oh, I can't um, wait. I was at, it was either a GP or an SCG or something like that. And I shuffle up my deck, present my deck, and all of a sudden I get a tap on my shoulder. And I look over and I just like see some person. I like, I like literally just like quickly look over my shoulder and then they go, it's like, uh, Hey, you guys are getting a, a deck check. And I'm like, all right, this happened a million times before, whatever. And I, you know, put my deck in my deck box, hand it over my shoulder. The person takes it, person takes the other deck and walks away. And then like two minutes later, I was just thinking there, I'm like, huh. And I'd look at my opponent. like, did you like get a good look at the guy that we just gave our decks to? He goes, uh, no, why? He goes, I didn't either. I didn't, in fact, I don't even know if he was a judge <laughs> and both me and my opponent just stand up and yeah. run over to the, the judge. And of course it was a judge and it was, it was legit. But like the thought just crossed my mind is like, I just handed over 10 grand to someone and I didn't even look at their face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I, I tell that story in the video too, real quick when I'm talking about this, uh, a, a judge, like probably eight, 10 years ago, somebody walked up at a star city tournament and they were just like, I want to be a judge. What do I do? And that's a thing. Like they just take walk-ups and they train mm -hmm. them up a little bit, test them at the end of the day. And that's a perfectly normal thing, but it was a legacy open. And this person who is a friend of mine, I've known him a decade. He's a wonderful level two judge now. Uh, but at the time uh, he was wearing like a baggy, like slipknot shirt and those pants you get at hot topic with all the chains and like stuff hanging oh. off of them. Okay. So he and, sounds awesome. Yeah. Stand yeah, up, yeah. stand up yeah. role model. And yes, that is my, that's my kind of outfit. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, person I've known for years, I knew him before this. Like uh, I might've even told him like, yeah, go ahead, walk up. You can be a judge. Like it might've been me, but like, yeah. And he was dressed like that and they were just like, okay, new judge candidate. Let's throw him on deck checks. And he was walking around like that. They didn't have a uniform for him. Mm -hmm. Like he just was just approaching legacy players and was like, can I have your decks like, yeah. dressed like that? <laughs> and Slip, slips him in the many zippered pockets of his pants. <laughs> exactly. And, and just across the board, I watched it happen three or four times during the day. I just happened to be an eye shot of it. And the players were just like, hey, okay, here you go. I really don't like, like can we not release this episode? He might have just like given the plans well, to some I, I will say, I will say that if you're ever pulled over by a car that's not marked by like an undercover cop, you are 100 percent legally like in the right to call for a marked cruiser to come. So I'm just saying, like, if there's a judge who comes up to so a person who comes up to you and they're not in judge regalia, you don't know who they are. It, it, I would assume it would be okay, not you know, not a huge deal if you're like, oh, can I just like have like a judge with a judge shirt on just come up and like take my $10,000 legacy deck. Uh, I imagine absolutely. that would be okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's, it. there's an extra fold to that now because the judge program was canceled like right before COVID shut down mm -hmm. and it was replaced by something called judge Academy, which mm -hmm. is a, a third party thing, not actually run by wizards of the coast. They're contracted to run the judging operation now. And there's no judge Academy uniform. Like judge uniforms provided huh. by Wizards of the Coast are gone. There's not going to be more. Judge Academy sells polo shirts that say like Judge Academy on them. You yep. can still wear your old uniform if you own one. But the rules about what a judge has to be wearing, even at a premier level event, are just, it's basically like whatever. Interesting. <laughs> Go, so, nuts, fam. 
So if I wanted to show up in like like a black and white striped shirt, like a like an umpire from a baseball game or, or like from a football game, like that'd be okay. See, that's what Pat's mind goes to. I go to I want to get one of those giant inflatable T Rex costumes, and I would <laughs> I would judge in one of those. We can do both. Just slap the ref shirt over the T Rex. No yes. one will question you. That would actually be pretty pretty great. Uh, uh, it's 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 Tyrannosaurus Ref. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, thanks, Judge. <laughs> I'd like to see you bend down with the inflated T-Rex mouth and try to pick up the decks. Yeah. <laughs> just the claws. You're like, just knock out the person sitting two, two seats down. <laughs> yeah. Like the TO is going to have rules about it. The TO might even have their own thing, depending on how organized they are. Like star city games is going to have a star city uniform, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the, at FNM, there's no real rule anymore. Like every random store is not going to have a judge who owns a uniform. Huh? Uh, so and those stores probably aren't running deck checks for FNM either, but mm-hmm. uh, like there could be a gray space in between premier event with their stuff together and uh, FNM where the actual judge might not have a uniform on now yeah, hmm. for, for sure. So watch so, out for that. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue, but yeah, don't just hand your decks out willy nilly to people mm. at events, guys. I'm going to, I'm just going to say that we are all a trusting community, but with the prices these days, you, you know, better safe than sorry. Yeah. I hope nobody thinks less of me, but it's, it's my day job to think about safety and security like mm-hmm. that. That's my real life. And mm. I constantly like in the back of my brain, every time I'm at a, a grand prix, like there's a tickle. that's like, I have a, a closet full of judge uniforms at home. Like I, I, I can mop up. Right. And, and it's, it's more of like a security consultant thing. Like, hmm. can I have your decks? Yes. Thank you. Come back 30 seconds later. Guess what? I'm not a judge. Pay attention. Right. Like, I'm right. not going to do it, but like uh, that would actually head, in my head. That would be a great like video when, when events come up, like do kind of like a 60 minute style. <laughs> what would you do? Uh, you know, undercover. It's like, Hey, you just handed your $60,000 deck to a total stranger and they're just going to walk out of here. <laughs> please have a seat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need to talk to you about just giving your deck out to anybody. Why are the police here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mentioned that security awareness in the video. And I mentioned to the judges that the players might want to keep an eye on you while you're checking the deck. Cause normally mm-hmm. they just flight away behind some curtain. Right. And right. you don't know where they are, but like habit, having the deck check station set up where they could sit like three tables away and just see you, or even some players are going to sit right there with you. Like uh, I was at eternal weekend, Paris uh, at the end of 2019 and uh, Joe Brennan was there, vintage champ Joe Brennan. Uh, his cards are alpha. His cards are foil. Like right. every everything is the max that it can be. And he got deck checked, and he was just like, "I'm coming with you." <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> nope. Nobody's walking anywhere out of my reach with these cards. Period. Right. And uh, I think that is a reasonable request. And I would also say it's it's great when judges uh, offer that up because I've been deck checked a hundred times over the years, and only once. Did a judge actually say to me, it's like, you guys can stay here. You can come with me, whatever you want. And I was like, oh, yeah, I will come with you. And I like I just walked over Mm -hmm. and, you know, watched him do the deck check. Like, oh, that's interesting. I've never actually seen a deck check happen before. Uh, That's that's interesting how they do it. And then they handed it back to me and said, you know, you're good to go. Yeah, that's really good customer service that I've never actually seen or heard of in my uh, 12 years as a judge. And it's really great. And it's the opposite of how a lot of judges end up in their own heads uh, in just sort of like the business as usual. And this is something I tell judges all the time. 
especially now that I play way more than I judge, is that they got to remember the player perspective and they're there to run a tournament for players because mm-hmm. judges, especially like deep, like uh, Kool-Aid has such a negative connotation, but the judges <laughs> who are just sipping on the judge Kool-Aid and they're yep. just deep in that circle, they're only thinking about tournament operations. They're only thinking about turning around that deck right, check as quick as right. possible. Like I got to get it back in seven minutes. So with the three minute extension, it's a 10 minute, like they try to, there's like limits and targets and things like that. Uh, that they try to hit and they're Mm -hmm. thinking about that. They're not thinking about your safety necessarily, the safety of your cards or your personal comfort walking your cards away. And you see this sometimes with rulings too, where a judge will just do something that is innocuous to a judge, but crushing to a player where if the deck check came back with a problem and like a sideboard card was wrong and it's like, yeah, I knew you meant red elemental blast, not blue elemental blast. Your deck doesn't even have blue in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just said this at the table in front of my opponent. Right. And right. Like, that's obviously just like mind melting to a constructed tournament player. But the right. judge is just like, oh, ha, 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 this is so silly. Yeah. So like things like that yep. do happen. And my advice to judges is remember the player experience and what you're mm-hmm. actually there to serve and facilitate. Yep. Yeah, good points. Um, so speaking with that also, probably another big difference between legacy and standard is player experience. You know, I would feel at standard events, the judges probably know more about Magic than close to, you know, 90, 95% of the players in that tournament. In a legacy tournament, though, I don't think that is anywhere close to it. In fact, you probably have a lot of circumstances where uh, many, if not most of the players might have been playing legacy for longer than the judge was judging. Uh, Does that come up at all? Yeah. So there's this weird tier list that just sort of, or hierarchy, I guess, Mm. uh, that sort of emerges where at like limited FNM, like when the judge is, like has everyone drafted before and six hands go up that say no mm-hmm. like that's that's one thing yep. yeah like you pass to the left then to the right then back to the left everyone mm-hmm. like that's one level of judging and then there's like fnm standard those people might have drafted enough times that now they have a deck and they mm-hmm. know very little more than they did when they started <laughs> drafting then there's like the tournament grinders like the the star city players the ptq players who will play whatever format it is whatever the big tournament is that week they're playing like they play standard through legacy they don't care Mm -hmm. it's all magic to them Mm -hmm. and they're going to know everything everywhere modern tends to be the sweet spot of players who really know what they're doing and then legacy you get people who've been playing for a long time and frequently not in the most constructive way (laughs) <laughs> so you get the legacy players who have like maybe not come out to a tournament in 10 years. Maybe right. they play one tournament a year and yep. they're like, what do you mean? I missed my trigger. You're a damn cheater. <laughs> and it's like, you know, th- those are the rules you, you got to get with it. Yep. And like you get sort of that with some of the legacy community. And I mentioned in my presentation uh, to the judges, be ready to explain rules more than once, explain them in different ways, be ready to met mitigate some friction uh like the the trigger policy it's been it's been what it is for years like if if you don't acknowledge your trigger it's gone Mm -hmm. get wrecked sorry play your cards right yep like that's just how the the game works now and you still see somebody at every legs every big enough legacy event someone is mad about it they're probably at the bottom table at oh three yeah people who are, are actually playing 
at a competitive level know what's really going on. They're all over it, but mm-hmm. uh, that is something you run into. Uh, so it, it's a, it's a mix. Yeah. Well, so there definitely are p- players who have just been playing forever and they're not up to date with the most recent rules, but uh, the kind of what I was uh, referring to more is like, uh, I remember the big one was uh, uh, I abrupt decay your rest in peace, which one goes to the graveyard and which one gets exiled. And I can, I've, it's happened a hundred times. I'm sure other people have other examples too, but you know, someone calls for a judge, they come over and go, you know, ask this question. And then three other people at the table respond with the answer before the judge can even open their mouth. Mm -hmm. And then the judge just rolls their eyes and goes, Yes, here's how it goes. Even and they're you know like even though three other people at the t- uh, table said it, it's still my job to to go over it. So I can imagine that can get annoying from the judge perspective when players who are not judges jump in with you know rules explanations. Yeah. So there's a couple layers to that. Um, one, just as a player, don't do that. Like at FNM, it's it's fine. Like if the only like quote unquote judge is the store employee who's in the middle buying a collection or whatever and you can answer the question just okay hand wave Mm -hmm. at a star city or above at a grand prix you should not be answering rules questions for anyone that should be the sole job of the judge Mm -hmm. because the way judges are trained to answer questions make sure that it doesn't end up being coachy like how does this rule work versus how do i make this play in a way that benefits me like as a judge like i i've approached the table and i'm like hey what's up like judge call and they're like uh they just show me two cards and they're like how do i make this work I'm like that's yeah. not a question i can answer <laughs> that's a that's a that's right. a coaching tip i yeah. i had a a similar one where it was uh you know someone someone like force a wills their spell and then they cast misdirection and they're like their question is like uh you know how does misdirection work but they the way they ask it is in such a way that it turns into a coaching and then you have someone who's not a judge just pip up and go it's like oh you can do it you just redirect the force of will back to the misdirection itself to counter it Mm -hmm. that's not giving uh, a rules clarification anymore that is strictly giving advice you just assisted that player in their in their competitive game yeah there's a lot of things that judges get trained on early on and uh, I, i imagine lawyers go through tip similar not really like hazing rituals but like uh, <laughs> like tests of like um hey do you know what time it is and the answer to that question is not look at your watch and tell them what time it is the answer is i could or yes i do like y- your answer hmm. like what time is it versus do you know what time it is mm-hmm. those are different questions hmm. and judges have to think like that like hmm. hey judge can i pithing needle swamp you sure can mm-hmm is the answer that's not going to do what you want it to do, but you can't <laughs> say that like uh, and- judge. Can I misdirect force of will to itself? No, you cannot. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they ask a better question, like, Hey judge, I have heard that misdirection can move force of will to like counter itself or counter the misdirection or something uh, like depending on how much information they give you, you can answer that question. You can mm-hmm. also neutrally prompt them. I can't answer that the way you asked it. Can you ask a better question? Hmm. And you can get a, to a question that you can answer, but I, just a random person being like, oh no, the misdirection moves to itself, not to the force. That's how that works. Like that, that's a problem at competitive rules enforcement level. 
Yeah. Right, right. Answer the question they ask, not the question you want to answer. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, same thing also with, uh, you know, describing cards and describing art and stuff. So you, you can't say, hey, judge, uh, what card stops my opponent's planeswalkers from working? But you can say, hey, judge, what was that card? I think it was printed in Kamigawa. It's a uh, it's like a metal rod or something. And when it comes into play, you name a card and it uh, prevents that card from activating. What's that card? And the judge can tell you that, oh, mm -hmm. that's Pithing Needle that you're mm -hmm. thinking of. Yeah, you can uniquely identify cards. And that's good enough for a judge to give you the oracle text. The judge can always give you the oracle text. If you're like, hey, judge can you give me the oracle text of Chains of Mephistopheles? They can always provide that for you. If you can, you can also be like, hey, judge, that card from Legends, uh, it's one in a black, has like a crazy dog face on it. It, it messes with like how people draw cards. I would pull up Chains of Mephistopheles <laughs> for that player. That's good <laughs> enough. Like, if they can do that, it's cool. And like yeah. Cabal Therapy, like Cabal Therapy, that uh, that two drop enchantment you played last game that messed up how I draw cards, that works too. Like that's good enough. Mm -hmm. so, so speaking of that, Brian, I do actually have one example from my magic history of a judge coaching or helping me through a tournament. You ready for this? It involves Chains of Mephistopheles. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was at it. I was at a tournament. Uh, I think I was playing uh, Agro Loam or something like that. And uh, in my Agro Loam list, I run two Chains of Mephistopheles. So came up pretty frequently. Uh, after the third judge call in a row over three consecutive rounds of, hey, judge, what does this card do? The judge just <laughs> printed out the Chains of Mephistopheles flowchart that's floating around on the internet. <laughs> he printed it out and he gave it to me and he said, I want you to keep this with you for your future rounds. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I did a similar thing. Not quite the flowchart level, but at... <laughs> Uh, GP Columbus, the one that uh, Bryant top aided and Caleb Durward top aided with Vengevine. This was like a hundred years ago. Uh, that GP, I had an abyss in my deck and it was Italian. And this was before <laughs> Legacy was really big. And yes. I, I just went up to the head judge at the beginning of the GP and I was like, can you just print out Oracle and initial that I can show it to my opponents? Because this was when it was draconian. Like if you look at any piece of paper during the point where you're sat down for a match, it's a match loss. You're done. Yeah. And like, I, I just got the blanket approval. Like she, she printed it out. She signed her name and was like, yes, you can show this piece of paper only to your opponents during the tournament. Oh my God. That, that reminded me of a tournament I went to with uh, Dan where he was playing nether void, similar situation. And he cast nether void and his opponent picks it up and it's in Italian, of course. And he goes, is, uh, and he goes, wait, what's this? And Dan goes, uh, Oh, it's uh, it's an enchantment that says uh, every spell cast uh, gets countered unless you pay three. And he just goes, what? <laughs> he, just, he just goes, judge? <laughs> just completely <laughs> flabbergasted. And then he like looks down the table at his friend. He's like, Mark, have you heard about this card that mana leaks every spell played? And his friend goes, oh, yeah, uh, yeah Nether Void. Yeah, great card. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, the cards are crazy. And like you said, players do tend to know what they are. Mm -hmm. um, I've had conversations with some of the the like serious old heads, like the the Joe Brennan, Roland Chang, Rich Shea, and they're just like firing off cards that I barely remember exist. And mm -hmm. 
just describing the full oracle text of them it's just like some obscure uncommon from arabian nights like okay uh you guys you guys are in the weeds and that's cool yeah Uh, i would call a judge for this one people are insane my friend warren who is also a uh, vintage old guard you can describe a card to him and not only will he tell you the name of the card and the oracle text, he will tell you the artist. Wow. <laughs> like that's that impressive. Is, that is that's how deep. deep deep into the cards that he, he is gets. <laughs> we were playing a road trip game back when road trips were a thing. And the game was, can you describe the art of this card from its name? And can you name the card from its art? So we went both oh. ways. And it turns out I can name basically any card from its art. But if you ask me to describe this, the art, it's a mess. Because I, I, I don't like study the art, even mm-hmm. though your your two art review episodes were some of my favorite magic content ever made. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I, like I did love listening to that, but I don't I don't like look at the art and really soak it in. I just get yeah. a general like peripheral feel for what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, it took me probably eight years after Tarmogoyf was printed to realize that it's like he's holding a tiny little man up and like yeah, opening yeah. his mouth to swallow it. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I thought I, he was just like scratching at the camera. Like, I, I don't know. Also that art's weird. Cause like, depending on the perspective you look, it kind of looks like it's elbow is its mouth. Yes. And then it's like yes. his mouth is in a totally different yeah, place yeah. where you expect it to be. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. No idea. Uh, there's a card from time spiral, uh, same, same era called i think it's called like veiling oddity it has suspend and when it comes off suspend some number of creatures become unblockable and i spent that entire draft format and i drafted a lot over those three sets thinking it was like a hooded figure was the art but then i actually looked closely at it and it's like two like gooey orbs creating sort of like a a semicircle ovular shape Mm -hmm. that sort of just looks like a hood if you're not really (laughs) looking at the art and that's not at all what's happening in the art (laughs) Uh, and that's, that's the story for basically every magic card for me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's cool. So, you know, other things uh, for, uh, you know, judge tips, things aren't always what they appear. Yep. Uh, reading the Oracle text. That's the big one. Uh, cards don't do what they say they do. And it doesn't have to be an old card. Even like the rules have changed fundamentally multiple times, like six edition rules update, then mana burn leaving, then damage leaving the stack and just magic has fundamentally changed a number of times. The co- mm. comprehensive rules have updated a number of times. Creature types are constantly changing. Like every time a new set comes out, it's like, oh, dog is a supported creature type now. Let's go errata all the hounds in magic's history. And a big one that I pointed out in the the video was Phyrexian is now a creature type as of right. uh, Kaldheim. Yeah. Uh, Vorinclex is a printed Phyrexian. And then the in Modern Horizons 2, germ tokens were updated to be Phyrexian germ tokens. Mm-hmm. And every single printed creature with infect is a Phyrexian. Right. So yep. it's a bad time to be a infect deck against Plague Engineer. I was going to say, hey, 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 Plague Engineer, how are you doing today? Yeah, you don't have yeah. to pick human or elf or rogue or or blink moth or like you just say Phyrexian right. and they're all done. Ooh. But does Ink Moth, when it changes, does that also become a Phyrexian then? Yep, it is a Phyrexian Blink Moth. Wow. Yep. I, did, I did it. That one I didn't know about. That's interesting. Yep, wow. they didn't miss anything. Plague Engineer huh. is getting it. Yikes. Yikes, indeed. <laughs> um, any other kind of highlights from uh, the Judge talk that you want to talk about, or maybe just judging in, in general for Legacy? Uh, the last thing uh, for the players and for the judges, like, 
I told it to the judges that they should include this in their opening announcements for the players. Hook your backpack around your foot. Mm-hmm. Like don't yeah. set it down next to you. Don't set it down between your legs. Don't set it down behind you. Hook it around your foot. Like it's not going anywhere or, or you're going with it. Like, <laughs> you should have like some physical point of contact that doesn't require your full attention mm-hmm. to manage your belongings at all times. I have seen people bring like a steel cable <laughs> with their backpack really, and just like steel cable their backpack to their chair. Wow. Because like I've seen it countless times where one of the most common ways that legacy decks are stolen is at these big events and not just legacy, just decks in general. Yeah. Uh, and this was actually a thing uh, happening on the start. I don't want to say the circuit actually just because it's not their fault. It just it, they were a target because there were lots of magic players there. But there was like a gang of three or four people Oof. that would just like target people. One person would just dis- would distract them. The other person would like use their foot to nudge the backpack out from under the seat. And then the third person would just walk by, scoop up the backpack and keep walking. Oh. And, you know, they stole dozens, if not hundreds of backpacks from magic events this way before they were caught. And it was wow. a, it was big deal when they got caught. That yeah, sucks. they were tackled by Judge Adam Shaw. Like I he, know. I, it's one of my favorite Adam Shaw stories. <laughs> yep, physically brought them to the ground. Uh, James Elliott, judge, uh, retired judge, was yelling, judge, 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 and pointing at the guys as they ran for the door. And wow. Adam Shaw took them to the ground. <laughs> and the, when the police were called, they uh, did some investigation and found their hotel room just had dozens of backpacks in it. Yep. They traced we're, it back. And, and they yeah, had been. They had most likely been doing this at multiple events. Like yes. they, they like they were a set up organization. Wow. Yeah, this was a long time ago, and I hope people have learned from it. But it might have been so long ago now that that story is not in the the brains of new players or people who are new to Legacy. Yep. And just in general, it, it, like security, uh, not just in Magic events, but in your life. Like when people are like, "I don't need to lock my car. I'll be right back." It's like that's an opportunity for someone to steal from you. Yeah. Like what's it take to press the lock button? Nothing. Like just do it. Or like, yep. I don't lock my house when I go to bed. It's like, that, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> like, uh, right. It's cool that you're comfortable in your neighborhood. I, I, I'm jealous of that life. And like, you don't need to just live your life, like looking for the nearest exit, just in case there's a mass shooting or something mm-hmm. though in America, who knows, but <laughs> the, the, there are basic steps you can take to reduce risk. And most crime is of opportunity. Like they see that backpack and they nab it. Most people are not like going to follow you down a dark alley and jump you for it. That mm-hmm. That's a high level thing, but a backpack on the ground, the person didn't even have to plan to steal from right. you that day. They're right. just like, Oh, well, if I can just scoop up five G's real quick, I'm, I'm gonna. Yep. I remember mm. my dad told me this where, you know, he like locked up a toolbox or something with, uh, you know, just like a little like bicycle lock. But it's like this thing was like a one dollar lock that you could just like rip off with your hands. <laughs> and I'm just like, Dad, why are you even bothering? He goes and he just said to keep the honest people honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just, exactly. You know, re- remove that temptation and, you know, you will see a lot fewer incidents. There will be nothing more heartbreaking than like, I, I actually was thinking about this the other day. Like if my legacy deck got stolen, I might not ever play legacy again. Like it'd be that difficult to get back into, into the deck. You know what I mean? So keep track of your stuff, man. Don't, you know, take precautions. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty realistic about stuff. Like I, I don't mind like staring into the abyss and like making a worst case scenario plan, but mm-hmm. If I think about like my magic collection being harmed in any way or stolen or like uh, 
a house fire. Like it makes me physically ill and I don't want to think about it. Mm. (laughs) I I have it insured through my homeowner's insurance. If people Mm -hmm. have pursued that, or if if you haven't, you probably should. Uh, My company, they just put like a rider on my homeowner's insurance Mm -hmm. and I pay extra and it covers my collectibles. Mm. So we we do like an annual appraisal through the local game store. They sign off that like, this is what this is worth. I send them a spreadsheet of what I own and I just, if anything happens to those cards anywhere, I'm covered. Like if they get stolen at an event or if my house burns down at home, like it's, it's good. So please do that. If you want legacy cards. Yep. So you don't have to tell, tell people how much it is or anything like that, but would you say like, was it more than you expected? Less than you expected? I think it was less. It less, less than you expected. it. Yeah. Yeah. It, It was perfectly reasonable to do. Yeah, because I, I know other people have thought about getting the legacy collection insured, but then they're like, well, nothing's really it's the same argument you have against every form of insurance. It's like, well, nothing's happened yet, so why do I need insurance? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you don't get insurance for the past, you get insurance for the future. Right, right. Yep, exactly. Worth doing. Yep. Awesome. Um, before we wrap up tonight, I also just wanted to touch on um I've been playing the heck out of eight walla on Magic Online. <laughs> the Walla Meta. The Walla Meta. Called it out, the Walla Meta. And I know you came out with a video on it uh, a week or two ago. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that that sweet deck. Could you kind of let our listeners know what, what the deck does or and it it is tricky, like you pointed out in your video. It is easy to play that deck wrong and not even realize you're playing it wrong. Yeah, that so it, Blazing Rootwalla at, is added to Basking Rootwalla. So now there's free eight creature, eight free creatures. If you discard them, they just come into play. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a perfectly reasonable starting hand, like a mold of five that just has like Lion's Eye Diamond, Rootwalla, Angie's Ravager, Vengevine. You just discard your hand, float red with the diamond, cast the Ravager, cast the Rootwalla, Vengevine triggers, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's party time. And... <laughs> Like that's what that deck does. That's actually only four cards. I gave them an extra card on that mall to five. Like this deck explodes. And if you're not paying attention or if you don't know, if you're not familiar with what they do, Mm -hmm. you might think it's an aggro deck. You might think it's a Hogak deck, but it's closer to a dredge deck. Mm -hmm. As far as play pattern goes, like when you play against dredge as a fair blue deck, you it's your job to force a will literally anything that hits the stack. It's mm-hmm. like careful study. Nope. Lines of diamond out. Like whatever that first thing that hits the stack is, you got to hit it. Cause you're not going to get another window. Yep. And that's how you have to play against this eight wallet deck too. It's, it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, hmm. for sure. For sure. Um, it, it is great. I love, uh, was it uh, burning inquiry or burning inquisition? I forget what it is, but it's yeah, the, inquiry. Yeah. Burning inquiry. It's like one red draw three, discard three at random. Both I've just players got, do it. Yeah. Both players do it. I've just gotten some, nutty nutty draws off of that where it's like uh discard uh three uh root wallas and like oh this is great in in (laughs) response you know in response to the root walla triggers on the stack sack my led put venge vines into my graveyard (laughs) cast the root wallas venge vines come back and it's just like oh i just got you know 12 power on turn one (laughs) wow 
Wow, what's that like? Because when I cast Burning Inquiry, I discard two Hollow Ones and a Lion's Eye Diamond, and my uh. hand is Benjamin to Root Wallace at the end. <laughs> I will say, like Hollow One is is heartbreaking in that in that uh, that deck because there are a lot of situations like that where you're like, I just need to discard a Root Walla or a Vengevine, and I win the game. And then you discard Hollow One. You're like, no, you're supposed to be in my hand. <laughs> That's the one spell in the deck that you aren't comfortable just yeeting into the graveyard, and huh. it goes there every time. Yeah, I feel in the future we might get a better hollow one that fits the shell a bit better. And then mm -hmm. this deck just gets even more nutty because <laughs> it, it is. It is like the one thing we're like, all right, it's worth playing, but this is where the engine blows up in our face sometimes. <laughs> I, I like the tension of hollow one. I like that there is some <laughs> tension, at least that it's not just like burning it where it isn't just ancestral recall slash him to Turok. <laughs> right. Like, like I like that they're, they got to give up something, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it, that deck is really explosive, really powerful. And just the anemic beats, even if you have like rest in peace or Tormod script, whatever the surgical for the Vengevine, just putting two or three root wallets into play on turn one gets over the finish line. A lot of the time. I've also noticed, especially Blazing Rootwalla, those things are Delvers. <laughs> Against a lot of decks, they're just Delvers because you end up having all this extra mana when you don't have your explosive hands. Like, you're not really doing anything. So you just sink all your mana into pumping your Rootwallas, and now your three one ones just turned into nine into uh, three three threes, and you're swinging for nine damage. Yeah, I had this awesome game on video the other day. I say awesome with extreme prejudice, and I was on the play with a standstill deck and I was like, Lango opponent plays the underworld cookbook. And <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to jam the standstill. And so I had like standstill land number three shark typhoon in my hand. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to jam the standstill. If they have no root walla, I win. If they have blazing root walla, I can trade off my shark for it next turn. If they have basking root walla, I lose. Basking yep. well. <laughs> just discarded to make a food in response to my standstill jumps into play at instant speed and i just died in three point chunks had to break my own standstill a few turns later bad times bad bad times i i it does warm my heart that uh basking root well is actually seeing a, a fair bit of play it's not just a flash in the pan it uh it is uh, a very cool deck to see in the meta yeah if you're old and i imagine a lot of our listeners are because it's a legacy <laughs> podcast uh like if you were there when Basking Ruwala was previewed, like that Torment preview season, and then the, yep. the Madness standard and block formats, like there's a lot of nostalgia attached to that card that just wasn't mm -hmm. good for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad it's it's back. And Vintage has found ways to abuse it even before the Blazing Ruwala, like the the Turbo, Bizarre Baghdad, Hollow One, Vengevine decks, Basking Ruwala. That deck, the Vintage deck even plays Mem Knight. Like they're just really trying to throw Vengevines at you. And the legacy needed Blazing Ruala's help to get there, and I'm glad it did. Yeah, I feel madness is actually one of my favorite mechanics. Like, it feels like such a well-designed mechanic that is fun and interesting. And it it feels very dangerous. Like, I could definitely see them messing up a madness card and, you know, making it on, on par with, like, a Tendrils of Agony, where it's like, oh, you just broke this mechanic in half. But... Hmm. R&D has been pretty good so far where they just they haven't really done that. All the Madness cards have been good and interesting, but none of them have been like format warping. Yeah, the Resleavables podcast, uh, Cedric Phillips and 
Patrick Sullivan, they mm -hmm. go set by set through magic and just do a nostalgia throwback. How does the set look in the modern eye? Patrick oh, Sullivan is a game designer who, so he looks at it through a game designer's eye, knowing what we know in 2021. Mm -hmm. it, it's yep. my favorite podcast, no offense to myself or you guys, but that's oh, phenomenal that, that content. That awesome. I need to check that out. That yeah. does sound pretty cool. <laughs> and the most recent episode was Torment. And Patrick actually hates madness. He thinks it's really? too prescriptive. Like basically he likes when you can take your cards out of the draft format or after, out of the standard format and like go put them in a deck for the next 10 years. And like, that's a value the card can have. Mm -hmm. And madness is just extremely prescriptive of there's one thing you do with this. Like you don't yep. look at basking root wall and you're like, Oh, maybe my opponent will cast mind rod. Like, no, you, oh. you put it in a deck with faithless looting. And like, there's only one thing you can really do with a madness card, hmm. but I, I mean, in the same conversation, Cedric was like, you're crazy. I don't care. I love madness. And, <laughs> and I think that's a reasonable player perspective. That is a beloved mechanic among players, even if it does have some problems on the design side. Mm -hmm. Yep. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. Uh, anything else you kind of wanted to talk about before we start to wrap things up, Ryan? Uh, is this where I plug my shit or is that at the yeah. end? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. plug, cool. plug away like a 1930s phone operator. Oh, all right. I will. You like, you oh, like that geez. idiom, Pat? I do not. Did you like, like that? I do not like that at all. <laughs> that is the least catchy thing you've ever said, Jerry. Don't cut it, Justin. We're keeping it in. We're keeping it in. <laughs> I like that. Uh, like 10 years after she was a phone operator, she was working in the factories during World War II. So she she knows how to plug. Like she can she yeah. can work. Rosie the Riveter. Life story. Yeah, Rosie the Riveter. Previously, Rosie the phone operator. Welcome to the workforce. I love you. So, all right. I'll I'll be my Rosie. Uh, Bosch and Roll. I'm Bosch and Roll everywhere. B-O-S-H letter N-R-O-L-L. -L. My YouTube channel is my main avenue of content. I'm also on Twitter. Pretty active on there. You can always hit me up there. My YouTube has an attached Patreon. I also have YouTube memberships turned on, which is also just Patreon, but it's handled through YouTube if you want to support the channel. The TCG player affiliation. So I have links in my Twitter and in my video descriptions where if you click that link, it takes you to TCG player. But I get paid when you buy stuff. So oh. if you're if you're just not doing that anyway, it's a free roll. Please help me out. And Card Hoarder sponsors my channel as well. So uh, Card Hoarder Loan Services, uh, they're pretty great. That's how I get to play all the crazy decks I play. And I co-host the Eternal Glory podcast with Brian Cook and Phil Gallagher. Hell Absolutely. yeah. Awesome. I believe that's all my things. That's some great things. Great things. <laughs> all right, Pat, you want to get some scoops and poops? Yeah, Jerry, who, who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Scoop! Uh, I am scooping in uh, the great people who sent in all of these legacy events that we've mentioned at the top of the episode. Uh, please, guys, if your store uh, or LGS is uh, doing weekly or monthly or held even just one big legacy event, uh, please, please, please post it on the Facebook. Get the word out there. Let people know that uh, nature is healing and legacy players are returning to the LGSs. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt your intro, but I'll do a Pittsburgh pitch real quick. I'll do it up. Uh, the Vault in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. I played for an underground sea there just this weekend. Nice. And awesome. Titan Games in, uh, I forget what they're called. They're out by the airport in Pittsburgh. T-A-I-T-A-N, uh, Titan Games. Mm -hmm. They run have run Legacy for some reserve list land. Uh, they've done it the last three months in a row. It was a Tundra, a Trop, and it's Gaia's Cradle in two weeks. Nice. And those two stores seem like they're going to be doing regular sort of 
big money hot card tournaments every month. So check out them. That's awesome. I, you know, uh, this is just me as a magic player perspective for my personal preference, but I actually enjoy playing for like dual lands more than paying, playing for cash. Yes, absolutely. Even if the cat, cause it's cause like, even if the casual more value or whatever, it's just like, it feels more like you're winning a trophy than winning a prize. Also, also, I mean, to be fair, like if you're going to try to min max a tournament, like, the reserveless cards appreciate far quicker than the dollar does. So <laughs> true. That's like uh, that meme that was floating around the internet. It was like a Starcraft tournament where it was like first place was five hundred dollars, second place was two hundred dollars, third and fourth place was like sixteen Bitcoin, which is like, <laughs> like three hundred thousand dollars in yeah. today's value or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, no, I, I also love winning cards. Uh, even honestly, I even like winning packs like over just cash. I, I break from you on the packs. I'd rather have cash than packs, but I love cards. I love, uh, packs. I love cards and stores get to puff up their prize pool too. Like yeah. if they're buying cards, if cards are actually coming in the door and they're spending buy list prices, like a one K they can give away two K or 1.5 K in cards and just mm-hmm. puff up for the same cash, mm-hmm. which is just really exciting to me. Cause also every time that like, when do you come up with like a prize list and it's just a cash value? Um, it is, you know, it's right there in black and white. Right. But if you if you do an underground C, people are just going to quickly TCG player underground C, take the highest price near mint copy and just be like, oh, this is the prize pool. It's it's a thousand dollars or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, Plus so, players play when it's for an underground C. Yes. Like when yeah. you're in can't the, split it. Yeah. When you're in the top can't four and it's it. just like 600 bucks between you, you each get 150 handshakes all around. Let's go get dinner. Right. Like you got to you, you got to play for the underground. You got to play for Love it. it. Yeah. Yep. Pat loves that. No, no, splits, no splits. No kill them all. That's how it should be. <laughs> I learned that from our, our intern Cyrus. It's my, one of my favorite things anyone's ever told me ever. <laughs> After I won Grand Prix Columbus, I texted him immediately. He was over in Europe playing uh, Legacy and Vintage on some trip. And I texted him from Columbus and I was like, no splits, kill them all. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Awesome. Maybe we should we should talk to Michelle Pat. Maybe uh the next uh LAL open after this one, maybe we can do a uh, like a dual land prize pool. If that's gonna be super cool. Yeah, let, let us know guys on, on the Facebook page or you know, contact us if if you prefer playing for uh you know dual lands or other high value cards over cash just to make it more interesting. You know, let us know. We want to make the event fu- as fun as possible. To me, that's also kind of like a love letter to the format, you know what I mean? When like when the prizes you're giving out are the cards you play in the format you're playing like to me that's it's like um i don't know it's just the ultimate like form of uh of sincerity and, and appreciation for what you're doing. Yep. And I, I will say some stores have the right heart, but they're a little confused because I've definitely like played legacy tournaments for standard cards. And the store is just like, oh, this is a $50 standard card that everyone wants. Let's have it be the prize for oh. this tournament. And then legacy players are like, what what the fuck is this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is this? What is this trash? Yeah. Or yeah. like never, please never do like booster packs of whatever the latest standard set is for Ooh. legacy like legacy players don't want that no. like it's fine if you want to do like hey here's like throwback like we're gonna be playing for some like onslaught booster packs then i'm like yeah. all right even they're like master cool. sets master sets are fun to open too. Ma- like, ma- master sets I-, I would say that's fine you yeah. know just ma- make it something that the legacy players actually like <laughs> right right agreed awesome um so scoops jerry we did scoops. Just, i did my did. scoop Oh. We we went on a huge diatribe. We tangent did. After oh that, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm good. It's, it's right. br- 
<laughs> Brian, did you have any scoops in the top eight you want to do? Anyone you want to shout out or, or you know, uh, appreciate? Yeah, I want to scoop in the, the local stores. I mean, it's the same thing we just said, but I, I want to scoop in the local stores who are coming out swinging on the, the other side of vaccination with, yep. I got an underground seat for you. I got a guy's cradle for you. Show up. Let's play magic. Thank you for doing that. Pittsburgh's legacy scene is awesome. And I hope they keep going and I hope other people are running similar things. Like keep this format. I love it. Nice. I love it. Um, Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to scoop in uh, you guys. Thanks for coming on and hanging out. It's always a pleasure to uh, talk to you, Jerry and Brian was good to, good to catch up with you. Uh, I'm going to link your show, your uh, YouTube channel and the Twitter and the bot in the uh, show notes, obviously. And uh, yeah, man, it's great to, to talk. And I'm, I'm really excited to get back to paper magic this week. I, uh, I'm already de-sleeving the old deck and re-sleeving the new deck, so I'm very, very excited. I can't wait to have some uh, some legacy stuff to talk about. It's it, it's a shame because I got all my cards in Japanese, and like there are some cards I actually don't know exactly what they do. So like I'm gonna need Oracle text on Murktide Region and Ragavan and Dragon Range Channeler, <laughs> and also uh, also Expressive Iteration. Because I literally I don't know those all like off the top of my head, so it's gonna be pretty that, funny. That's the thing with all these like alternate art cards in foreign languages. Like I have friends who have like the alternate art Japanese card in in like their EDH deck, and they haven't played it for a couple of months. They pick it up, and it's like, not only do I not know the oracle text of this card, I'm not even really sure what this card <laughs> is anymore. Like, I don't even know this card's name. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm definitely... it's in Russian with like alternate art. It's like it's one in a black. I think it's an instant or sorcery. I'm gonna guess it's demonic tutor but i'm not sure <laughs> i'm definitely gonna be spending the next couple of days uh trying to uh memorize what those cards do but i'm sure i'll make i'll make a mistake at some point it'll be fun excellent play your cards people and if you don't play your cards make sure you can play versions you can read <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right uh well if that's it jerry uh we can uh we can wrap up this week thanks everyone for hanging out um if you want to support the show obviously it's patreon.com slash leaving a legacy and we'll catch you all next week see ya bye Come on down the